Perverted, brought to you by Sputnik Africa. Welcome back to the Afroverdi podcast with your host Victor Anakin. And in the wake of Vladimir Putin's recent interview with Tucker Carlson, the world has been buzzing with analysis, speculation and concern. Was it a genuine attempt at dialogue or calculated move on the global chessboard? What did Putin's statements reveal about Russia's economic and political strategies? And what are the potential consequences for the undergoing conflict in Ukraine and the wider international landscape? To delve deeper into these critical questions, we've assembled two esteemed experts. First up is Mikatakiso Kubai from the Institute for Global Dialogue associated with the University of South Africa. He's a research fellow at the Institute for Pan-African Thought and Conversation and a doctor's candidate of political studies at the Department of Politics and International Relations at the University of Johannesburg. And then following him right up is Professor Larry Amusan, Professor of International Relations of Northwest University from Nigeria. And with these two esteemed gentlemen, I hope to get an academic breakdown of Tucker's interview with Russia's president. We'll cover a number of topics ranging from the overall mood of the interview down to details like certain metaphors that were used. So join us to take a closer look at the most popular and trending interview on the web. Let's go. Mr. Kubayu, welcome once again to the Afroverdic podcast. And as always, thank you for joining me. So last night, Tucker Carlson released his interview with Russia's President Vladimir Putin. Let's start off with your general perception on the interview now that you've seen it. Well, thank you. Thank you, uh, Mr. Nogin, for, 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 for inviting me once again to your, to your, to your podcast. Wow, it was a very interesting interview. Uh, it was very, very interesting. I mean, very detailed, uh, very long, you know, uh, and detailed. Um, I, I, I appreciated the fact that uh, President Putin went into the history, you know, of the relations with you know, uh, uh, Ukraine, and to give you know a very you know a good uh, context. Well, at least you know what he thinks. You know, is you know uh, the context. You know, but so it, it it makes it better, you know, and easier, you know, to understand where he's coming from, you know, on this to understand what you know uh, the position of Russia is on the issue. So I think his approach was a very good one. I thought, you know, it's always good to give a historical background, you know, for it. Uh, it was it was a really really good one. I thought. Yeah, yeah, totally agree with you. And uh, I mean, I saw there was some backlash and memes online about Putin, like Tucker Carlson asked him, so what were reasons for engaging in the whole Ukrainian conflict? And Putin starts to give him a 20 minute lecture on history. But despite that being somewhat comical, like you said, it is it is important, the whole history behind it. I mean, you can't expect him to give uh, what a three, uh, like a one sentence answer. I did it because what I had to. Or, you know what I mean? Well, for an issue as as important as this, you yeah, know, uh, punchlines, you know, uh, uh, are not what you want. You want an explanation. You want uh, uh, to go deep into the reasons why you know decisions were taken and they were taken in the manner in which they were. Um, you you that, that you want you want a thorough, deep you know uh, conversation about it. You want a serious conversation like President Putin puts it, uh, because it's just that important. It deserves a serious, you know, consideration. It has, it deserves a thorough, deep dive, you know, into you know all the issues, the 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 root causes of things, you know, the origin, you know, of 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 you know by the challenges. Go into everything, and of course, you know, by, you have to understand, even two hours is not enough. You know, to do proper justice, you know, to the full history, you know, of all of the things that have happened there. And, 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 and of course, yes, I mean, it was more than correct, you know, to, to, to approach it in that manner. First, give, you know, by the historical background, you know, where things started, you know, how they've evolved to the point that they are, you know, now. It's it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing at all. Uh, it's actually a very good thing. I think the 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 problem the problem, uh, my brother, that we 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 are facing now is that for the longest time, for the longest time, Russian Russian media, right, Russian media or any news source or any or any news coming out of you know Russia or with a Russian perspective has essentially been blocked in so many avenues and on so many platforms. 
You know, it's as if you know no one coming out of Russia is supposed to say anything or hold an opinion at all. You know, and then suddenly, boom! You know, here you have you know Tucker Carlson, you know, by granting this interview, and you know the whole world is able to hear President Putin uh, for themselves firsthand. You know, and it's a shocker because it hasn't happened since the beginning. I mean, people would only maybe say you know if they are lucky enough to access RT, for instance, you know, uh, online. Or maybe you know some of those you know it's it's been generally difficult to get you know up to date you know current news or from conventional media coming out of Russia, yeah. No, so it's been a ban. It's as if it's been a a, a battle of um, what is it uh, information you know so to speak. Ban everything that comes out of Russia and pump the world you know with everything that comes out of you know Western media. You know, and that that is the that is the, I think the cause of the shock right now. I mean, it wasn't quite expected. You're hearing even stories about you know penalties for Tucker Carlson for even doing this interview. I thought I thought overall, I mean, it was a it was a decent interview. I thought it was a good interview. Um, the president gave his account. Uh, Tucker Carlson asked what he wanted to know. Uh, I thought it was I thought it was a, a good interview. You know, you mentioned that there, there were notions that the European Union was going to impose sanctions on him, something like that. But apparently, that's uh, that's been refuted. Well, I'm not sure if they will impose sanctions in the future. That's quite uh, undetermined. But I saw, for example, John Kirby, the White House official, saying that Americans that decided to listen to the interview shouldn't take it seriously and sort of should take it with a grain of salt, not believe everything that Putin says, and then. Hillary Clinton calling Tucker Carlson a useful idiot for for Putin. I mean, what image does that paint of a country that is supposed that supposedly promotes freedom of speech when there's an opportunity to hear the other side and then, you know, officials of the state they they go and say these things. Well, it's unfortunate. That is why for instance I, I said earlier that you know by anything coming out of Russia or anything of with a Russian perspective you know had been essentially sidelined which is unfortunate because it deprives you know of the people an understanding of what is going on in the thinking you know of Russian policy policymakers and leadership you know what is happening so people can then understand and make a balanced view you know and hold a balanced view of you know it is that ought to be done and what what help is needed you know by the world to bring about peace it's unfortunate but i would say out there say look the train has left the station right um you know you can say you know take what uh, putin says as with a grain of salt don't you know calcin is a useful idiot as you've just mentioned uh, uh quoting others <laughs> but people will watch and people will reason and people will think you know about what president putin has said they will take it and consider it seriously the world the, the world population is is not made up of idiots you know as uh, you've said uh, mrs uh, madam clinton you know would have referred to Tucker Carlson. People are thinking. People are accessing information. People are reading. People are thinking. You know, they are reflecting. They are evaluating things. They are reviewing things. You know, and they will be thinking about this as well. You know, uh, they are not going to be sitting there. And I mean, if you look at, for instance, what is happening in the United States today. I mean, take the case of uh, what is happening with Palestine and and Israel. You know, uh, conventional media isn't able to suppress you know views anymore. Uh, in the way that you know it used to you know b- b- before uh, it's 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 a new world the world is changing to hold those old you know b- b- you know b- narrow positions to say i mean what's wrong with president putin speaking what what is wrong with it like seriously what is wrong with it you know if he, you know what is wrong if who says who says that if he speaks therefore everyone will agree with him you know where's the danger in him speaking there will be of course those that will agree with him there will be those that won't agree with him the issue is what it is that is fact and what it is what isn't fact right the issue is here is finding a way to achieve a peaceful settlement you know so that people stop getting harmed so that people stop dying so that we want development that's what the world wants what's wrong with president putin speaking and having a say and expressing i mean we hear president biden all the time we hear all these other leaders all literally all the time you know were inundated with speeches uh twitter texts you know uh, and so on and so forth we hear all of that all the time 
Why not put it? I think what Tucker Carlson has done is essentially go against what is it, the trend, you know, so to speak, you know, and it became a bit of a, 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 a shocker somewhat. It wasn't expected. Uh, maybe even they're, they're thinking it's brazen, you know, but uh, what, you know, they, the many, well, what, what some clearly do not, you know, b- b- want to understand is that, you know, the world is a thinking world and people are listening to what President Putin is saying and they're reflecting. Uh, they have access to information, they have access to evidence, uh, they can make up their own minds independently. For sure, for sure. And I noticed there's this sort of notion that Tucker Carlson, you know, he committed this mortal sin of interviewing the Russian president. What impact do you think will it have on public opinion in the West? Well, I think it will have some public, some impact. The extent, I don't know. Uh, that, you know, it's anybody's guess, really. But what it does, but what it does do, you know, is give a lot of context. Is give is to, it, it, what what President Putin did was close a gap of information, right? That had been created by you know uh, all the all this, this long period, you know, of blocking media sources, media you know uh, content coming out of Russia or with Russian perspective. Uh, so he has closed, you know, a lot of those holes. A lot of those gaps you know and people would be able to know that because he gave him new information that look there was there were discussions there were negotiations there were certain agreements there were certain signatures there were a whole host of things in detail that happened things that were literally essentially kept you know out of you know by the mass media space so uh, people will certainly be reflecting on this. What they will do with it, I don't know. You know uh, whether or not it will sway them in one way or another, I don't know. But you know, it certainly you know is something that you know they will have benefited from. You know, the global population they would have had. You know, and they would have had. They would now have things you know to reflect and things you know against which to judge. You know, or assess you know, the progress so far, you know, in this um, uh, special operation crisis or however it is described, depending on where you're coming from. Yeah, for sure. Look, during the interview, Putin said that U.S. leaders have made a strategic mistake by weaponizing the dollar against other countries. And in fact, you know what, let's actually listen to what Vladimir Putin said during the interview. You know, Using the dollar as a tool of struggle and pressure is the United States' biggest mistake. The dollar is the foundation of U.S. power. I think everyone understands this very well. No matter how many dollars you print, they spread all over the world. Inflation in the U.S. is minimal. I think it's 3%, about 3.4%, which is completely reasonable for the United States. Yet they print endlessly, of course. What does the debt of $33 trillion say? It's a mission. Nevertheless, it is the main weapon for maintaining the power of the U.S. in the world. As soon as the political leadership decided to use the dollar as an instrument of political struggle and pressure, they struck a blow to this American might. I don't want to use any non-literary expressions, but this is foolish and a huge mistake. Look at what is happening in the world. Even among U.S. allies, dollar reserves are shrinking right now. Everyone is looking at what is happening and they are starting to look for ways to protect themselves. But if the U.S. applies restrictive measures to certain countries, such as limiting payments, freezing assets, and so on, it is a huge concern and a signal to the whole world. What has been happening in our country? Until 2022, about 80% of settlements in Russia's foreign trade were in dollars and euros. At the same time, About 50% of our settlements with third countries were in dollars, and now I think only 13%. But we did not ban the use of the dollar. We did not intend to do so. The U.S. decided to limit our settlements in dollars. I think it's absolute nonsense in terms of the interests of the United States itself, the taxpayers of the United States. Because it strikes a blow to the U.S. economy, it undermines the might of the United States in the world. By the way, Settlements in yuan were about 3%. Now we settle 34% in rubles and about the same amount, just over 34% in yuan. So why did the United States do this? Well, Mr. Kobayi, back with you again. Do you agree with that statement? It depends you know, on, 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 on the lens. It depends on where, where you're standing. In 1971, when the uh, gold standard was abandoned and the oil dollar you know, emerged, it was a very clever move by the United States at the time. 
I mean, it's essentially what, you know, gave it the dominance, the sort of dominance that it enjoys today. But, you know, obviously from uh, President Putin's point of view now, you know, given that the world has changed and the world continues to change, uh, is that that advantage is no longer there. It's now, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, precarious. You know, it's now precarious because people are suddenly, you know, looking at, you know, alternative ways of conducting trade and alternative ways of conducting transactions uh, and so on, which is also healthy, by the way. Uh, I mean, a very basic, you know, uh, um, analogy, uh, my brother. I mean, look, if if you if if I was to, you know, sell you maybe say a shoe, I'm selling it to you. I'm not selling it to someone in Austria or someone you know, but yeah, in Switzerland or someone, you know, in Nigeria. No, I'm selling it to you, right? You and I, why must we need somebody else, a third party for it? That's, you know, one basic way, you know, of looking at, you know, uh, trade, you know, uh, relations and this, uh, these issues around SWIFT, you know, and so on and so forth. I mean, look, the logic is you want to be able to have, you know, uh, a trustworthy system, you know, of clearances, Right. Uh, that can clear, you know, international transactions. Fine, granted, we understand all of that. But such, you know, why should it be an instrument of just one entity, one country, or one, you know, party, uh, you know, and to weaponize it, you know, against others? I mean, it, it, it's not what it's supposed. It's not doing what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to, you know, that those systems are supposed to facilitate international transactions. Yeah, you know, Russia is clearly transacting. And he's correct. I mean, look, you know, um, it's not even his words, by the way. The World Bank has been saying that, yeah, you know, by the progress that Russia has actually been making. It's the World Bank. I mean, these reports, we saw them. We saw them a while before, you know, President Putin even mentioned them. Um, these are experts, and he's correct. It's actually <laughs> Western experts who are busy saying these things, who are writing these things, who are recording the data, you know, who are analyzing the data and who are releasing the reports. It's not him. Yeah, no, and it's correct. I mean, you know, wow, Russia is certainly transacting, you know, perhaps maybe more so now than it did even before the sanctions. Yeah, no, so then, you know, wh wh what is the point? Like, wh what's what's going on, you know, really? Other than to, you know, foment discord, uh, you know, and things like that, the world doesn't want that. The world wants peace right now. I mean, we've had enough bloodshed for crying out loud. The world wants peace. Yeah, it wants peace. It wants people want to be safe in their homes, in their spaces. They want to be, uh, they want to go and you know go to work. They want their economies to grow. They want trade to flow, um, and all of that. Um, I think. Look, you know, it, 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 this this is a major development. It's not a, it's it's not it's not a small thing. It's it's actually a big deal. You know, you now have an official, you know, blow by blow and a simple and clear account. You know, by the the, the 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 head of state of the Russian Federation, giving de in detail you know, an explanation of how Russia you know found itself in this position, how the decisions you know were taken, why they were taken, uh, and so on, and what you know uh, um, um, the Russian leadership thinks you know is happening in the world. You know, so it's clear, so it's it's un undiluted. You know, without anyone you know having you know, this is what Putin is thinking. This is what, no, 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 no. From his own mouth. Now people have heard it from him, from him, you know, uh, not contextualized by someone, not diluted by someone. No, they had, had it from him, you know, blow by blow from him, coming straight directly from him, not through a middleman. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. It will certainly be something you know, to be discussed for quite some time. Uh, it's already, it's already making waves, you know, as we speak, it's already making waves. For sure. It was important for, for that kind of communication to happen because you want to give everyone the opportunity to speak. It doesn't mean that, you know, uh, um, you know if, if you feel that you are correct in your argument, that the person that you think is incorrect should not be able to use, that person must speak so that you can understand why they're incorrect if you think they're incorrect. And so you can try and wait and move towards you know uh, something sensible, a sensible solution or a settlement of sorts. Yeah, you can't find compromise if you don't know the other person's opinion, the other parties, yeah, what, what they want and how they see the whole situation. Sticking to the topic of the whole transacting thing, Putin said that now Russia makes 34 of its transactions in rubles and 
just over 34% in yuan. How does this affect the popularity of the US dollar worldwide? Some time ago, you know, uh, you know colleagues, when, when, when BRICS was talking about integrating the BRICS economies, you know, and doing more trade, intra-BRICS trade and so on, and and the whole de-dollarization uh, debate, you know, started doing the rounds. Um, I might add also, actually, that you know, uh, BRICS countries did not talk about de-dollarization. They talk, they spoke about trading with each other in their own currencies. It's not the same thing. It's not about the dollar. It's about themselves not needing a third party to trade with each other or to interact with each other uh, with one another. Uh, but in any event, even before all of that happened, you know, the popularity of the dollar had already actually started to wane. You know, there are some commentators who had been monitoring and observing and noticing that countries are actually, you know, starting to feel the pinch, you know, and the weight or, or the burden, you know, the burdensomeness, you know, of the dollar on their economies, you know, and their uh, instruments, you know, for uh, the management of their economies. Uh, so it, it that, that had already been there, you know, that had already been the country's economies had already been feeling it. Uh, so it is no different now uh, that, you know, when, you know, uh, uh, countries, you know, uh, are starting to buy oil, you know, uh, um, in their own currencies, uh, India has been buying some oil in the, in the, in the rupee. Uh, and so on and so forth. You know, I mean, you you would have you'll recall. Is it last year, or the or the year before, uh, when uh, President Xi Jinping uh, went uh, to the to the uh, China Arab Summit uh, in Saudi Arabia? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it agreed that you know an oil exchange would be established, you know, in Shanghai within five years. Now, what does that tell you? You know, already at that point, that here you have. And and mind you, this is the same with Saudi Arabia, including the UAE that have now joined, you know, BRICS together with Iran. These are massive oil producing countries. These are massive oil producing economies that have joined BRICS, you know, and they're already talking about trade, you know, in different currencies, within each other's currencies, uh, and and so on. Of course, the volumes of trade done in currency other than the dollar will have an impact, will have some sort of influence, uh, but it has to be significant trade. You know, in order for it to essentially supplant the dollar, you know, it has to be significant. It has to grow, and it's growing. The reality is there; it has already started. You know, and it will only grow. You know, and there's nothing uh, sinister, you know, about it. There's nothing. It's not even an anti-American thing. It's not even an anti-dollar thing. People simply want to deal trade in their own currencies. It may be cheaper. It may be more efficient. You know. Uh, so on and so forth. You know, it may be better, you know, for their developmental interests, their own national interests, uh, you know, to 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 do so. So yes, there will be some some uh, incremental, you know, influence. Uh, that's for sure. As of now, the largest number of sanctions in the world are imposed on Russia compared to any other country, even Iran who was the, sort of say, the record holder. But nonetheless, Russia has become the first economy in Europe during this time, according to Putin. What does this paradox reveal about Western sanctions? And could one say that sanctions have become a tool of neocolonialism? Well, I, I, I look at it differently, uh, my brother. Um, the way I see it, I see it as a world that has already you know, uh, uh, begun to change. It's, it's a, it's a, like I said earlier, I used the phrase earlier, the train has left the station, right? We're now essentially witnessing, you know, the establishment of uh, a, a, a multipolar world, you know, uh, some will say a multipolar world order, you know, uh, a new world order, or the world is definitely changing. You know, no, no matter which way you know uh, you 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 name it, the world is changing. It is no longer the way you know that it once was. You know, uh, some ten, maybe twenty, maybe even fifteen, uh, maybe thirty years ago. You know, it's the world is the world of today. You know, is different. Uh, so it's certainly different to what it was when the Bretton Woods institutions, you know, were essentially uh, um, you know created. So some of the instruments, you know, that were used, you know, uh, very effectively in those days, you know, leading up to today, you know, have ceased to be as effective as 
they once were. But it also depends on the nature of the of the of the economy, you know, that you are penalizing with such sanctions. For instance, not every economy in the world is Russia. I mean, you have to look at the economy's own, you know, internal arrangement. You know, if it can produce its own stuff, which Russia certainly can do, uh, highly industrialized, Russia certainly is. Um, you know, technological savvy, Russia certainly is. You know, and so on. I mean, Russia is an important economy for the global economy. It's it's not a small player. You know, never mind. I mean, I see the issue of, you know, the, the military, the potency of the military. No, before you even look at those things, just the economy alone, innovation, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, ingenuity, you know, science, you know, uh, I mean, for crying out loud. You know, Russia is a leader, you know, in space exploration. Even I mean, there are some things that, there are some things that you know, uh, we, we like to deny. Uh, maybe it's not so popular, you know, uh, um, in Western media uh, to acknowledge, but you know, Russia actually has internal strength, so it's been able to withstand, you know, some of these shocks, you know, uh, you know that are, that are external. Uh, it has been able to withstand. It has been able to not only do that, but also actually thrive. It has found itself in a position to navigate, you know, and develop new pipelines, you know, of trade, new. You know, uh, mechanisms of you know conducting transactions. You know, it's been able to do that. But a country like maybe say Mali, you know, uh, a country you know, it's a, like even South Africa is not even at the point you know that Russia is in right now. So as much as Russia, we may say you know uh, has not been able to to withstand you know uh, these these uh, these sanctions, right? And the fact that you know the world is still changing. President Putin, you will remember, also said that. The United States, in fact, you know, Western economies still have major advantages, you know, over others. And that's a fact. They do. I mean, not too long ago, um, you know, just uh, last year sometime, even at the beginning of this year, when uh, uh, just after the announcement of um, the, 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 this court case, you know, on, uh, uh, at the Institute, International Court of Justice, some commentators saying this means South Africa could potentially be booted out of Agoa. It may well be. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. You know what happens. But the reality is, people still, for instance, you know, the massive advantage that you know uh, Washington has over many others. But the world, nonetheless, is moving. You know, it's changing. And countries living like South Africa are able to say to stick to principle and say that no, wrong is wrong, despite it. Wrong is wrong. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm totally with you there, Mr. Kubai. You mentioned pipelines, and that, that just got me to another question. According to Putin, Russia is ready to start supplying gas to Europe via Nord Stream 2. So whose economy has been affected more by the destruction of Nord Stream 1, Russia's or Europe's? Mostly Germany's. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we, 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 we know uh, uh, Europe has been struggling, especially over the winters. It's been struggling. The economy is actually on a decline. Um, and it hasn't been performing as well as it could have. Right? There are massive problems, economic problems in Europe right now. We all know that. Uh, the data is there. You know, but the evidence is there. And certainly Germany of all countries has been feeling the pinch. You know, it's been really, really hard hit. I mean, you see now uh, some European economies now starting to want to um, re- re-establish old uh, uh, coal power stations. Coal power stations that they've long abandoned. Yeah, good luck to them with the green policies they're pursuing. Exactly. And then now you're having to see you know, high prices for gas. You know, <laughs> price, the price of energy has a ripple effect on the prices of many other consumer, consumer products. Yeah, no, it has a, a, a direct impact you know, on, 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 on the cost of living. Yeah, no, and many other things. Uh, you know, uh, 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 Europe has certainly felt the pinch. And like President is, President Putin is saying, I mean, uh, in fact, it's not even his words. It's actually those of the World Bank, you know, and others, you know, that have been assessing the data, you know, that have been monitoring. And Russia is has actually been doing better. Now, imagine, imagine, imagine this with Russia's current strength as it is right now. You know, uh, economically, right, uh, and in terms of industrial, you know, uh, capacity. Uh, imagine if you were to suddenly lift the sanctions, 
No, that that would be an, a very, very interesting development. Russia, who, Russia who obviously would benefit even much greater in an opposition than it, that it that currently is, obviously. You know, the potential, the potential, the potential, you know, of, you know, a massive economic growth, you know, but, but it's there, you know, but well, the mistake, the strategic mistake would have been, you know, but in that uh, you asked about this earlier, you know, that, you know, you, you, you cripple the Russian economy by imposing these sanctions. It was a mistake. What Russia did instead was focus on building its internal capacity, productive capacity. That's what it did. You know, uh, it didn't struggle there. You know, it built capacity, ingenuity, you know, infrastructure. It was well prepared, you know, essentially for, for, for this reality. And now with this capacity, you think that Russia will let it go even with, uh, you know, sanctions being dropped? Of course not. Yeah, and Putin open, openly said, like, hey, if, if you want gas, it's it's there, man. Just just open the valve and take it. It's They're the ones that don't want it. So what does is, what is this allude to then in terms of parties who would be interested or who would have been interested in the destruction of Nord Stream? I, I think it was a gamble that didn't pay off as much as perhaps it would have been expected to at uh, uh, I don't know if, you know, it was, you know, uh, um, a short or long game, you know, that was being played, you know, with that one. Uh, if, you know, maybe in the long run, you know, is what they were, the de- developments in the long run is what they were looking at, uh, or, you know, some sort of short-term game, you know, um, and, you know, who is to sacrifice, you know, for, for, for the benefit of such, you know, a long, a long, a long-term in a goal, um, yeah, if at all, you know, there, there, there was such, you know, a consideration. I don't know. Uh, but it was it clearly something that didn't work out as well as, you know, was planned, originally envisaged. Um, the European economy struggling. The European economy is struggling. The American economy isn't as Fine, it's growing, you know, but it's pos- registering positive, you know, growth. But there was a time not too long ago where it was facing recession. Not too long ago. No, but a year or two ago. Yeah, no, uh, so it's also not, you know, exactly firing, you know, on all cylinders either, you know, uh, then it, it, it was a strategic mistake, you know, I think, you know, this thing of wanting to exert dominance, you know, over others, you know, instead of negotiating, you know, with people, uh, uh, that is where the, the, the problem is. And the pride to say that, hey, look, this thing of ours hasn't succeeded. Let us try something else. It seems there's a reluctance to accept that you know there are there are other ways, better ways, you know, to achieve you know uh, progress, you know, than than. But you know, uh, um, there's a lot of doubling down, and uh, the rest of us can only hope, you know, and pray that you know this uh, uh, conflict you know ends uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, but you know, we keep seeing every day. You know, I mean, look, today you've got um, a Senate that uh, that. Uh, it uh, uh, shot down, you know, a bill that would have given uh, uh, Ukraine, you know, uh, 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 aid, you know, to the tune of around $60 billion. Now, this would be in addition to, you know, I think, what was it? That, what did they announce? About 50 million billion euros that uh, the European Union, you know, uh, committed to over a couple of years. That uh, one was, was it last week, you know, also, you know, that they concluded this. And so on, but the United States is even struggling, you know, to to get to arrive at that, you know, uh, just that alone. Yeah, well, for sure. I mean, you you can imagine how the the population feels about it. There's obviously no country is perfect, and the U.S. also has problems within itself. And to see so much taxpayer money just getting sent overseas, and it just keeps going and going and going. Of course, the 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 representatives at the houses are gonna are gonna feel the people's dissent with that. So, yeah, there's probably to no surprise that the the financing will come to an end soon. And you you can even notice that in the media outlets, and they're sort of preparing the population for the final decision. More and more outlets are saying, looks like you know Ukraine is not going to win. No more financing. There's more problems at home, and so on and so forth. We simply don't know, you know, how it's going to end. Uh, what President Putin said, you know, uh, um, was, look, you know, we've made our proposals. Um, they know where we are. You know, they know how to contact us. In fact, you know, some, you know, at at some levels of state their interactions, 
negotiations are possible. Everyone seem, well, is open to them, except maybe some. You know, that doctor wants them. I don't know why they wouldn't want them. Uh, you know, and so on. Um, we hope you know that you know some sort of sanity will prevail and an end to the conflict you know will 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 come you know sooner rather than later uh instead of risking you know now you know a conflict that will engulf the whole entire world and then set development back 200 years in the final analysis uh, my brother uh, what what happened in that interview was a very good thing uh in that you know for for the first time in a few years now you know, the whole world got to listen to, to go to hear uh, what President Putin had to say. You know, give an account, you know, of the Russian where things are, uh, un, untainted, you know, unpolluted, uninterrupted by anyone to say that these are the developments, you know, that happened. There were negotiations, there were this, there was that, there was that, there was that. Throughout the whole process, there were, you know, attempts to negotiate a peaceful settlement. In fact, a peaceful settlement had even been arrived at. That was destroyed by others. Uh, so the, the the important thing is at least now the global population will be able to judge, you know, better, you know, more equipped to assess, you know, uh, um, you know, and 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 come up, you know, with their own independent uh, view position on the matters. It was a very important thing. I think it will it would have benefited the world population uh, a great deal. Great, Mr. Kubai, thank you very much for joining the Afro Verdict podcast and sharing your analysis with our audience. I'm sure everyone will be very excited to hear what you have to say about this interview. So, yeah, like I said, it was great speaking to you. See you next time. Mikotakiso Kubai, thank you once again for joining me on the Afro Verdict podcast. Now moving over to Professor Larry Amosan, Professor of International Relations of Northwest University, Nigeria, to get an expert international relations outlook on Tucker's interview with the Russian president. Professor Larry Amosan, thank you so much for joining me today on the Afrovertic podcast. And uh, I'm truly glad to have this opportunity to discuss this important interview with an expert such as yourself. Well, let's start off with your general sort of perception of the interview overall. Yeah, thank you very much for the invite. I really appreciate this. And this is something that has been agitating so many people, most especially from developing areas. Like uh, some scholars are, are saying that unfortunately the, the the Western world has already captured the rest of the world, most especially in terms of economic politics and information dissemination. And with the opinion of Vladimir Putin and what is ongoing at the global system, it continues to generate uh, argument that there is always an alternative to the problem that we are contending with in the international system. And as a result of that, Carlson, those Carlson has been uh, crucified by so many people. And unfortunately, Hillary Clinton equally castigates the rationale behind uh, granting interview uh, by Vladimir Putin to an American who they believe is anti-American in every perspective. So for me, the, the interview is an eye-opener. It lets us know exactly what is going on in the Baltic and in the eastern part of Europe and the rationale behind why Russia is in Ukraine in order to maintain sanity in the region. Right. So, look, from the very beginning, Vladimir Putin gave this extremely detailed historical background and geopolitical context explaining why Russia was forced to fight in Ukraine and explained that ignoring the continued NATO expansion could have simply ruined Russia itself. What is your perception of Russia's efforts to safeguard its sovereignty? Well, thank you very much for the question. The concept of sovereign equality of every state is even a contentious issue in the international system. Because as much as you are talking about sovereignty of your state, whatever you think that it is domestic affairs radiate to external affairs in the 21st century. If you think that because you are a sovereign state, equality before, before the law, every state is uh, 
has the same rights in the eyes of international law. So every law, there is always a limitation. In a situation whereby you think that your, your domestic affairs cannot affect the international system, it's like you are no more in a global village, whereby what is happening in the remotest part of the world continue to affect the most powerful countries in the world. Now, what I'm trying to say in essence is that when you look into the concept of sphere of influence, we cannot totally delink uh, Russia's uh, position regarding the issue of sphere of influence. For instance, if in Mexico, in uh, Cuba, in Argentina, let, let, let me say for the whole of the southern part of America, if any country like Russia or China goes there in order to put uh, some position, America will immediately react into it. So uh, we must not forget another concept of cultural irredentism. When you look into the eastern part of Ukraine, you notice that majority of the people who are, who are in this area, most especially the Kiev area, these are the Russian speakers. And as a result of that, you cannot leave your own people because of the cultural implication of it and for the stability of your own country. There is no country in the world that we let his or our people die in silence. So as a result of that, what I believe is that what America is trying to do is to neutralize Russia in the global system. Why I'm saying that is that when you look into what happened immediately, the dissolution of the former Union of Soviet Socialist Republic, we have about 15 other countries that came out of former USSR. And if you see what is going on in, that, in, in, in all these countries, and you see the activities of NATO in the in the area, like Poland, who will who will ask, who will think that Poland will join the Western world? Remember the Warsaw Pact. The Warsaw is right in Poland, and what is actually going on now? So what I'm saying, in essence, is that what Russia is trying to do is to maintain the political stability of Russia as a sovereign state. That is one. Number two, in order to preserve the culture, the heritage of Russia. And number three, we mustn't forget the sphere of influence of which I made mention of. So geopolitically, there is no way America can go into, into the eastern part of Europe and think that Russia will never react. It is not possible because the stability of these neighboring countries dictates the stability of Russia itself. And there is no leader in the world that will be seeing some instability next to its door and we keep quiet. So I believe what Vladimir Putin is doing is the best for the stability of Europe as a whole. So... That is my take on that. Well, speaking about the special military operation in Ukraine, Russia's president said that uh, the country's territorial aims in other parts of the Eastern Europe and the Baltic region are absolutely out of the question. Why do you believe is the West trying to paint Russia as this, uh, you know, hegemon country that wants to get involved in a global war? To start with, when Vladimir Putin became the president of Russia, if it is his ambition is to recapture the former uh, members of USSR, this thing would have been done very long time ago. The only problem is that by the time uh, Megal Gorbachev negotiated with the Western world regarding the future of the Eastern Europe, it was not documented. And if it was documented, it would have been another thing entirely. It was a verbal diplomatic understanding among the respected leaders at the global level. But unfortunately, this thing was not, it was not documented. It was not put in black and white. So you cannot, if, if it is the intention of the of Russian government to extend 
to spread its tentacles to the Eastern world, we would have been in another world entirely. So for you to have moved to, Russia, uh, to Ukraine and you want to claim that country, you, you are attracting the country to the Western part by joining the European Union, by joining NATO and so many Western, Western world inspired international organizations. It will never work because it will hinge on the stability of Russia, as I alluded to. So I don't see from what I've been seeing so far that Vladimir Putin is interested in expansionism of the country. So that is my take on that. Thank because you. Because if mm -hmm. Russia is coming, if uh, Vladimir Putin is interested in that, the military we are with her is available for the country to have done that. It's happened before in Georgia. It's happened before in Odessa, of which you and you and I uh, are conversant with. But for the Ukraine, it's a different thing entirely. And the involvement of America, the CIA, the CIA involvement, as Vladimir Putin said, is an aggression on the stability of the Eastern Europe, of which America supposed not to have done that. America the so-called hegemonic power in the international system supposed to go to that uh, to, to 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 the eastern europe in order to resolve the problem not to aggravate it but the aggravation of this problem is, is what is causing instability even not only in eastern europe it's equally causing crisis in other developing areas most especially when you look into the issue of food maybe we are going to talk about that later I found it interesting that the Western media presented Tucker Carlson as having committed the worst thing he could have done possibly throughout his life, this mortal sin of interviewing Russia's president, Vladimir Putin. What impact do you think this event will have on public opinion in the West? You know, it is highly unfortunate that people keep on blaming the Western power and the, I mean, the Eastern power during the, the time of uh, USSR that it is this USSR, South Korea, China, Cuba, and I think Venezuela, that they are the one who, who are the, who are the, who are the architect, architect of uh, covering information and taking information out of their own people. But when you see what America is doing, for instance, I give you an example. BBC in the UK is spending millions of pounds Stalin every year in order to make sure that BBC is uh, its presence in in Africa is uh, is maintained at every time. So what that one implies is that with the propaganda from the Western world, you have the VOA, you have Fox, you have Dutch Welle, you have BBC, and so many others are trying as much as possible to make sure that the 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 information from the western world will be will be subscribed to at all costs but at the same time any information that is coming from other side and as a student of international relations you need to gauge the information and try to come up with a functional one that will promote a balanced information communication. But what Western world is trying to do is to make sure that whatever they, they transmit to, to the rest of the world supposed to be so subscribed to. And that one is uh, totally unacceptable. And as a result of that, I want to believe fervently that if America continue this way, it will get to it, it will get to a certain level where they are going to meet a cold sack. And when they get to that, people will not uh, believe whatever information they are trying to uh, project to their population. Even in America, America, for instance, is not interested in war because of the economic crisis that is globally affecting virtually every country. But for, for Carlson to have gone to Moscow in order to uh, interview Vladimir Putin, they believe that there will be so many information that they want 
their citizens not to on Zoom and trying to expose this type of alternative information, it may generate instability in America. And we should remember that American election is just around the corner. And we know that in the area of international relations, America and the other Western countries they are so sensitive about it. Unlike in developing areas where issue of foreign relations is very, very secondary and they believe that it is esoteric. But this time, I believe it is timely for the uh, Kremlin government to let the outside world know what Joe Biden and his government is trying to do in Ukraine. Vladimir Putin also stated that despite the largest number of sanctions in the world applied to Russia, in 2023, the country was Europe's biggest economy. And according to the president, this signifies that the tools that the U.S. uses simply do not work. What does this paradox reveal about Western sanctions? And could one say that these sanctions have become a tool of neocolonialism? You know, sanction sanction is something that has that has been generating curiosity and argument in the international system. In a situation whereby the sanction that you slam on another country is not global. Global means is that not all the country subscribes to it. Definitely, imposition of sanction to uh, against Russia. It's not only affecting Russia. If you remember, European countries, they were, they were seriously affected, most especially the supply of gas. Not only that, Asia, Africa, they suffered a lot because of sanctions, most especially when you think about grain supply. And if it, will, if it will have been a credible source of punishing Russia, Russia will not have excess of green to give to countries like uh, Mali in West Africa, I think Afghanistan, and so many other countries I cannot remember this, uh, at, the, uh, at this stage. But what I believe is that Russia is technologically balanced to the extent that Russia can produce whatever they want. And don't forget, there are so many countries that are not subscribing to the uh, sanction that's orchestrated by the United States of America. Russia is a member of BRICS. We know the attitude of, uh, I mean, the position of China towards this issue of sanction. China as a country is very, very good at diplomacy. China will look into any country that is, that, that is ready to satisfy our own demands. The same thing applies to India, South Africa, Brazil. And you remember that the last BRICS uh, summit in South Africa, it generated, it generated uh, some argument, the issue of the dollarization of the international system, the admission of about two or three countries into, uh, as a member of BRICS. So what I'm saying in essence is that as uh, a member of other international regime, definitely it may not affect uh, Russia the way America and its allies wanted it to affect uh, Russia. So in, in essence, this issue of sanction is not working. Because you remember the issue of sanction that was imposed on South Africa during the apartheid regime. Can we say that the sanctions slammed on, on, on Pretoria by the defunct organization of African unity uh, realized its objectives? The answer is no, because there are so many other countries that physically move their technology to South Africa in order to develop that country. And that is one of the reasons why uh, South Africa is most developed in Africa. So in essence, the issue of uh, sanction may not be uh, may not be achieved as it is expected by the rest of the world. Russia's president also reminded everyone that the BRICS countries, where Russia presides this year, are developing very rapidly, and their share of the global economy is greater than that of the G7. 
How significant is BRICS in the context of a changing global order and what role can it play for Africa? No, it is, it is very simple. When you look into the composition of BRICS, you look into the population, you look into the technological development, and you, 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 you equally look into the political commitment of the members and their attitude towards uh, America in terms of domination. Since 1945 until date, can we say that majority of other countries really benefited from America's uh, neoliberalism? The answer may not be totally yes. Because when you look into some international financial institutions dominated by America, Instead of those international financial institutions to promote economic development of the member states like your IMF, like your World Bank, like your even African Development Banks that was formed in Africa in 1964, which is being captured by the Western world, they cannot perform the expected roles that they're supposed to perform. So now people are tired of using dollar as a medium of exchange at the global level. So what I'm saying in essence is that now that uh, other countries are fraternizing, when other countries are fraternizing with China, with India, definitely it is going to be an issue whereby America will remain less relevant in the geoeconomics uh, system at the global level. President Putin mentioned that using the dollar as a weapon of political struggle is one of the biggest strategic mistakes made by the U.S. political leadership. What do you think about this statement? Well, thank you very much. I'm going to look into this problem from two different broad perspectives. One, the issue of decolonization of education in Africa, of which African countries are taking it very seriously. And when you decolonize your education, definitely those colonial masters who, who colonize Africa and who, by interpretation, are agents of America, UK inclusive, that was once colonized uh, America before 1776, when America received its political independence from the United Kingdom. So, I mean, uh, well, yeah, right. so... What I'm saying is that the issue of dollar as an agent of colonization or the agent of economic and political uh, dominance of America is continue to have challenges now. And the challenges are because of what America is trying to do in order to make sure that uh, dollar continue to be the only unit of uh, financial transaction at the global level. I remember, was it two, two years ago when India and China started to use other means in order to settle their trade uh, balances at the global level? So with what is happening now, it's unfold a lacuna in the in the in the issue of america being the only primus in sapias in the in the committee of nations all right thank you very much professor let's jump back to europe quickly when he Vladimir Putin was answering uh, Tucker's question about NATO or CIA involvement in the Nord Stream explosion. Putin said that quote we need to look for someone who wanted and could have done it. Close quote. Why do the Western countries that conduct uh, the investigations of this act of industrial terrorism simply refuse to provide any substantial information about the parties involved in this attack? They think, they think you, you and I should understand one thing, that the CIA, European Union, no, European Union to some extent, because there is a declaration sometimes ago, about three weeks ago, whereby the European Union were trying to castigate America's involvement in Ukraine. That is no more acceptable. But when we are looking at the issue of terrorism, 
It started a very long time ago. In 1973, the, the, the coup against uh, Allende of Chile, it was orchestrated by CIA because of ITT. America will continue to make sure that our own sphere of influence will be properly will be properly guarded. That is one. Number two, America is ready to blackmail any country. America will be through its CIA to sabotage economy of other countries, and is the same is the same country or is the same organization that we come up with a, a condemnation of what happened. Because whenever they want to strike, they strike in a clinical way so that you can hardly notice that this thing involves the CIA. It is only several years, maybe about 50 years, when they declassify some information that you will continue to appreciate the fact that this thing involves America itself. So in such a situation, there is no one who appointed America as a policeman in the international system. So looking into any disruption or sabotage supposed to come from the United Nations organization, even I'm not even suggesting United Nations Security Council, because the United Nations Security Council is dominated by the great powers. I'm equally conscious of a of a fact that China and Russia are member of permanent members of the Security Council. But at the same time, the 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 preponderance power of America over France and uh, and the UK cannot be cannot be overlooked in this crisis. Prof, thank you. And lastly, the Russian president stated that the ultimate beneficiary of the biggest European media are American financial institutions. With European media still having a large presence on the African continent, how does the West use it to influence political landscape of African countries? Yeah, like I indicated before, whatever happens in European states, most especially the European states that marry liberal system of economic development, you cannot disconnect America's involvement in those countries. And whatever information sent to Africa is going to be garbage in, garbage out. When you look into our national televisions in Africa, when you look into radio, when you look into any other media, they rely heavily on what comes from America and the Western power. And by implication, it is the Western power, it is the West, uh, European country, Western European countries that are satisfying America's ambition in Africa. It is only recently, it is only recently that the, the narrative has been changing. I believe you know what's happened in Mali, in Niger, and uh, in Burkina Faso, to the extent that uh, those three countries, they formally excuse themselves from economic community of West Africa, because they know that these are the, 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 this is an institution that is, that is controlled by the Western power. That is one. Number two, they've been caged for several years, from 1960 until say two or three years ago, when they disengaged from France, think of a scenario whereby your foreign, uh, your foreign reserve to the tune of 85% to be with Paris Reserve Bank. And you know what happened to uranium in, in Niger? It's because of the misinformation from the Western world that continue to affect the development of Africa. So immediately African countries realize what is going on in the international system, the better. But how can they do that when the political leaders are still dancing to the tune of the Western world, when their illicit, ill-gotten words are kept in Switzerland, in Britain, in France, in Germany, in, in America, even in Canada? So you cannot say that 
the African countries are going to see the light at the end of the tunnel for now, tunnel as, as for now. So that is the problem that we are contending with in Africa. Thank you very much. Well, as we wrap up this discussion on Vladimir Putin's interview with Tucker Carlson, it's clear that the future does remain uncertain. In fact, while we may not have all the answers, our conversation here with Mr. Minkatakiso Kubaye and Professor Larry Amosan has provided valuable insights into the economic and political realities that shape our very own world. Remember, the analysis presented here is simply one piece of this complicated puzzle. I want to encourage everyone to continue exploring diverse perspectives, delve deeper into the information presented and of course form your own informed opinions to backtrack on other episodes check out afro verdict on other podcasting platforms like apple Podcasts, google podcasts deezer pocketcast afropods Castbox, of course and podcast addict to stay on top of news on the continent and around the globe make sure to follow sputnik africa on telegram tiktok and other socials that's that for today's episode everyone this is your host victor anakin signing off for the weekend i'll see you right up next week Afro Verdict, brought to you by Sputnik Africa.